Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Fred. And we hope all of our listeners, those in the U.S. at least, are enjoying a long Memorial Day weekend. Lots of news to get to, though. First, the story that attracted the most attention uh, with lots of news coverage this week. Uh, The U.S. Postal Service is testing self-driving trucks built by a startup company or equipped by a startup company. Too simple, T-U simple. They are doing a handful of round trips, apparently, between Phoenix and Dallas and are using safety drivers and an engineer in the passenger seat as well. Well, uh, yes, I guess uh, that's good. It is uh, self-driving, and I think uh, the technology to improve the safety and the uh, work environment of the of the postal worker drivers or whoever they um, they have uh, driving those trucks is really good. Uh, whether or not the, this means that the driver is going to be taken out of the the driver's seat anytime soon, I think, is um, is not really the point, um, or I don't think that that's really um, what they're looking to do. I mean, what they have in there now are two people instead of one. Uh, so one of the things that they should try to do with all this equipment is at least get it down to <clears throat> there being only one person in the cab. Uh, unless they're doing tandem driving and they uh, want to uh, deal and, and get around the uh, hours of service rules and therefore uh, drive uh, uh, more than 10 or 11 hours straight. And, and although I don't know how long the drive is from Phoenix uh, uh, to Texas, but um, uh, I think you can make it in one uh, driver's uh, cycle. But I guess long term, the idea would be that uh, they could keep a vehicle on the road 24 hours more or less to, 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 and save money eventually anyway. Yeah, I guess. I mean, really, when you get down to uh, especially uh, those trucks with the uh, value of the cargo behind them, um, uh, that's uh, the, the cost of the driver is, is not really uh, that critical. The driver does a bunch of other things and probably the, the goods need, need an attendant anyway. So, um, I think, well, to me, what the, the technology is is for, or should be for, is to improve the work environment of the uh, of the drivers. Uh, being a truck driver is uh, is, I think, uh, more uh, uh, more unsafe than being a a, a coal miner. So, um, <clears throat> uh, those folks need a lot of help in doing their their jobs and uh, and making it safer and uh, actually making the job more enjoyable so that there isn't a driver shortage. Uh, this is, I think, uh, to me, is uh, that should be the emphasis of all this technology <clears throat> is to make uh, driving a, a better occupation and, uh, and a safer occupation and also maybe even increase the hours of service rules so that you can actually make uh, be more productive and make uh, a little bit more money. And in, in improving safety, it makes uh, the road safer for everyone, not just the truck driver. Absolutely. We're out there too, Fred. We are. In Philadelphia, the notoriously dangerous Roosevelt Boulevard is going to be getting speed cameras. And Alan, in the newsletter, you had some interesting comments about the city council's decision 
for the cameras to target vehicles going 11 miles per hour or more over the speed limit. Uh, yes, I, I think if, <laughs> if we're going to put up speed cameras, why aren't they put at the speed limit? I mean, what the speed limit mean? It means that's the max. Or is it the max? And then, hey, you can do 10 more. Well, then why don't we show it? I mean, why are we playing games with people on this? Uh, I know we have to deal with people, but my goodness, uh, what is what is the rule? What is the law? What is it? Um, and, and it's confusing to people. Uh, my goodness, if there's a goody two shoes in North Philly, may, maybe there isn't even one, but maybe if there <laughs> is one who obeys uh, laws and speed limits, my goodness, uh, they're being um, uh, unfairly treated because everybody else is zooming by them at 10 miles over. You know, what is it? And, and, of course, this is really important to the automated vehicle folks because people are writing code. And guess what? Code follows what the, the code says. That's what the whole automated vehicle, um, automated systems are about. How you set it, it follows it. So what are we supposed to set it at? The speed limit? Or the speed plus 10, or maybe, hey, a plus 9 maybe to give us a little cushion. If it is, uh, fine, but, but let's, let's focus on regulation that says, hey, what it, are the regulations? This is the same with a stop sign. If there's nobody coming, uh, we roll through. Is, is that really what it means? Well, that's fine. If it is, we can program the automated vehicles to do the same thing. But don't have them stop at every stop sign, even though there's nobody coming and they know nobody's coming instead of rolling through, which is what everybody else does. And, and so uh, we have to deal with this. And, and, and this is a real fundamental problem of regulation. Uh, we've had laws and rules uh, meant for people to follow and people do interpretations and variations and so on. And the law realizes that it's going to be people. If now we're going to have rules and regulations for computers and code, we it's, it's a different animal and it has to be treated differently. And we all have to recognize that. Otherwise, we're going to have these automated vehicles following the rules precisely and everybody else pulling their hair out saying, oh, man, what kind of drivers are them? They're just obeying the law. Why don't you? I guess uh, the cornhouse rule would be say what you mean and mean what you say. <laughs> I guess that's what we're trying to say here, Fred. That's with all this stuff. It's amazing. In the notice in the Federal Register set to be published on, on Tuesday, uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, both under the DOT, are seeking public input on removing regulatory barriers to allow the integration of autonomous vehicles onto public roads. Uh, they'll be taking comments over the next 60 days, and you're highlighting this in, in the newsletter. This is important. This is important. Everyone should read it carefully, and everyone should put in their response. Okay? I don't want to tell them or suggest how they should respond, but this is very important. And I think as somewhat of an overlay on this, um, um, 
as we've been discussing automated vehicles, there are, in a sense, really only two kinds. The kinds where there's a driver on board who's supposed to be paying attention and providing adult supervision. And that's, you know, the personal vehicles that provide the safety and comfort, convenience, and all the other things. And let us, you know, continue to live our lives um, with an automobile attached to our hip as we have been uh, doing, at least some of us have been doing so well uh, for now so long. <clears throat> and then there's the other kind in which uh, there is no driver. It, these are mobility machines provided, providing mobility uh, for everyone. That's a different animal. And, and, and it, that one probably deserves to be called a new mode, and it probably deserves to have its own regulatory oversight and safety administration. Uh, you know, and, uh, there should be a driverless vehicle federal safety standards, and there should be a driverless vehicle uh, federal uh, safety uh, administration. Uh, we have one for trucks. We have one for planes. We have one for trains. We have one for cars. We have one for transit. We should have one for driverless. Because they are an entirely different type of, of mobility, transportation. Their mobility, they're different. We aren't, people aren't going to own these things. They're going to own the self and the safe driving cars. They're not going to own the driverless one. You can't drive it. I mean, you know, maybe a few, you know, rich people or something like that, but you know, nothing that matters. And in a sense, they deserve it. And in fact, these vehicles are built to avoid crashes. You take NHTSA, NHTSA has been in, in the business of crash mitigation, not crash avoidance, crash mitigation. Um, NHTSA has assumed you have a human running in the stuff and therefore trying to save that poor human and, and not have, have him or her completely uh, destroyed inside the vehicle. Hey, with vehicles that are designed to not crash uh, into things, uh, yes, sure, they can still be crashed into, but not crash in. They won't crash into things or crash into things at much, much lower probabilities. Um, we need a new uh, uh, administration, a new way of thinking, a, a, a new approach, a different approach. And certainly it's as different as exists between cars and trucks and planes and, and pipelines and boats and, and so on. They're different. GM uh, is running into opposition to its petition to federal regulators uh, for permission to put as many as 5,000 driverless cars on public roads. Now, these would be cars without steering wheels or control pedals. Among those taking issue with the filing is the General Counsel for the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Well, they should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, look, what, what, what GM's trying to do out there is provide driverless mobility to everyone uh, that, is, that is safe. And uh, my goodness, uh, the, the insurance industry is sitting there and saying, oh, well, if they really do that, guess what? We're out of business. Uh, hey, if these things really don't crash as much and they're providing mobility and people don't go out and buy their own cars anymore, uh, we lost all of our business. So it is totally self-serving on, on their, on, on, on their 
part totally self-serving and and for them to say oh my goodness we're concerned about the safety of the public no you're concerned about your bottom line and your bottom excuse me interesting and Cruz in the meantime uh, gm's Cruz has put out a video showing how adeptly its vehicles being tested in in san francisco are handling left-hand turns on city streets the video looks pretty impressive yeah, these are unprotected left-hand turns, meaning that, in fact, there's oncoming traffic uh, and they're making the left turn in front of any potential oncoming traffic. There isn't a traffic light uh, that's stopping the, that oncoming traffic or a stop sign that's stopping it. So, in fact, you know, they are doing uh, 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 understanding the situation. They're doing the cognitive understanding there and making the left turns. And it is pretty impressive. Uh, they've compiled, I guess they said 1,700 of these things or whatever. And I just sort of said, well, it's nice to have 1,700. There are how many, you know, I put the numbers in the in the uh, newsletter as to how many unprotected left-hand turns take place every day uh, or on a typical day throughout the United States. And it is, um, I don't know what what number I came up with, 2.5 million or something like that, whatever that number was. But, you know, it's, uh, but it is very impressive. And, um, and they're getting there and they deserve to have a chance to start putting this out in areas in which they know they can do it well and they know that they can do it safely and they should be given the opportunity to provide the mobility uh, for all and, and put these mobility machines out there to begin serving the public and serving the, the needs of citizens and improving the quality of lives of people that haven't uh, had uh, the uh, opportunity or, or have the ability uh, to have a car basically attached at their hip and, and available at a drop of a hat to go anywhere. Yeah, and obviously, uh, for those who maybe are listening to us for the first time, that was the focus, mobility for all, or one of the chief focuses at the uh, Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit earlier this month. Yes, and, and we did have a very, very successful summit. And um, yes, uh, this is what we're really trying to do is highlight that, in fact, this driverless mobility, these mobility machines are really sitting there to improve the quality of life uh, of everyone. And uh, and that's the big opportunity. And, uh, and it's a worthwhile opportunity uh, for the citizens of this uh, country to 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 promote and and uh, and uh, permit to happen. More on that uh, in in coming podcasts as well. well. We'll be talking more about all of that, of course. Tesla's latest update to navigate on autopilot requires drivers to give the car permission to change lanes on its own. This is from a new examination by Consumer Reports, which says the automated lane changing lags far behind human skills. Well, sure. Tell us something we didn't know. Yes, it it, it does. It's a, the 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 first innovation, and uh, yes, if we're all paying attention and and uh, doing things properly and so on, uh, we are better than machines. I I think we'll always be better than machines. Uh, our pro- the problem is is that uh, too often uh, we don't, uh, and that's uh, our. Or maybe I don't. 
of course you do, Fred, but uh, I don't. So um, this is a uh, something that might be nice to have. I think Tesla, I sort of agree with the, with the consumer reports that Tesla is a little bit out ahead of itself on this. Um, the changing of the lanes by by itself, uh, it should be suggesting to the driver, hey, I'm about to change lanes um, and uh, requiring uh, either the driver to somehow uh, confirm to do that or, in fact, at least warning the driver. The driver's supposed to have his hands or her hands on the wheel anyway. If the wheel starts to turn and the driver doesn't want to change lanes, uh, it is easy to override the system. It takes essentially no force to keep the vehicle in its own lane, and the vehicle will stay in its own lane. So. I think the basic design is is pretty darn good. Um, there's some tweaks that have probably that have to be made with it, but uh, but it's it's coming along. And the interesting thing with Tesla is and has been that they're able to do the updates uh, continuously. It seems almost uh, over the years. Absolutely. They've set up the, the, the mechanisms to be able to improve the systems and, and uh, people say hey, they're using their, their, their customers as guinea pigs. Um, uh, you could say that. I think they're, they're properly uh, uh, using their customers and, and uh, their input. Uh, when I ran ALK and we did co-pilot, uh, we requested help from our, from our customers. If they had uh, issues or problems, we said, please uh, give us feedback. And guess what? The, um, I don't know, ma- major portion of the customer base uh, were more than willing to help and happy to help. Uh, they like to be included. Um, and uh, everybody realizes that nothing is perfect. And um, and as as good customers, uh, they like to provide feedback to to improve the product. And here, uh, Tesla has established uh, a, a process by which there is uh, there is the opportunity for almost uh, continuous impact and in, in, in improvement and 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 uh, providing uh, suggestions and and getting uh, getting improvement out of it. So this is great. Our friend uh, Russ Mitchell, uh, meanwhile, at the L.A. Times, is reporting that Adam Jonas at Morgan Stanley has told clients that Tesla could merge with SpaceX. Uh, It's been a pretty tough month uh, for Tesla stock. Uh, Yes, I think it's very interesting. Read the Russ Mitchell uh, uh, article, and I I recommend everyone read it because, of course, uh, uh, apparently, Adam Jonas laid out the opportunities uh, uh, going forward for Tesla, and uh, and the one that he seemed to have focused on is uh, is SpaceX, and um, and w- what a turnaround here you might have a a um, a space uh, company going out and and uh, acquiring a terrestrial company. We've come a long way since October 3rd, uh, 1957, with the launch of Sputnik 1. Uh, we now have possibly that uh, space launch uh, companies are actually money-making uh, capitalistic organizations um, that uh, aren't uh, completely dependent on uh, government aid and support. Wow, uh, that's amazing. And if I recall correctly, he already has a Tesla somewhere up in space. 
if it if it hasn't burned up or something. He does, <laughs> and I think you can go to that uh, uh, site uh, stuff in dot space and uh, see all the stuff that is in space. And uh, one of those points is, in fact, um, uh, the Tesla Roadster that uh, Elon put in orbit. In the newsletter, you you also highlight uh, reports about Tesla dominating electric vehicle sales in California during the first quarter. And there's a video of how Tesla's autopilot dealt with a goose crossing a road, too. Yes, I think, uh, you know, these are uh, inputs that are coming in from people that own Teslas and, and providing some feedback. I think, you know, some people are are out there um, trying to find the corner cases, and that's good uh, because they're actively engaged uh, in finding those. Uh, then they're being very careful, and uh, I don't think any bad thing has happened uh, from any of uh, the folks that are out there doing that. Uh, and that's good in providing the feedback. And uh, the system did identify a, a goose crossing, and uh, I get and actually showed the, the, that the uh, surface ahead uh, for the vehicle should be around the goose. So um, looks like it might actually be working for goose or geese crossing ahead. Aurora Innovation, uh, a self-driving startup, has made an acquisition in the LiDAR space buying Montana-based Blackmore. And I guess that's just an example of uh, what has happened, and I guess we're going to see more of it, too. Yes, I think more of the companies are buying some of the critical technologies uh, because I guess they feel that that uh, they can advance those technologies uh, for their particular product uh, more in, 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 in a more uh, wholesome way uh, if, if they own that technology as opposed to trying to buy it off the shelf and in some sense uh, in buying it off, sh- off the shelf. Uh, having to deal with maybe not the latest and greatest. You have some comments, uh, too, about uh, the final project report from UK Auto Drive, uh, a trial that started, uh, I think, three and a half years or so ago in, in the UK. Yes, I mean, it's a good report. But it's, you know, one of these reports that started th- uh, three years ago when uh, people were still thinking about uh, connected cars and and how connected cars were going to do it. And really, uh, when they were talking uh, about um, uh, automated vehicles, they're talking about self-driving vehicles that uh, that the public's going to, uh, to own as personal vehicles. And they really hadn't uh, fully addressed the driverless implications of uh, mobility machines, although this report uh, did uh, in part. And uh, and uh, it's a it's it starts out and it says mission accomplished. Uh, maybe the mission was accomplished with respect to self-driving. Mission hasn't been accomplished with respect to driverless. Um, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, there's a heck of a lot of, of new and hard work yet to be done, uh, to, uh, get the, the whole market even started or even to the starting line, let alone started, um, in the driverless world of mobility machines. Uh, to me, uh, that's where the real societal value is. Uh, yes, uh, there's safety uh, value in all of this, 
but the biggest value is the improvement in the quality of life of people that haven't had uh, the quality mobility that the rest of us have had uh, because we had our own car uh, attached to our hip, as I like to say many times over. And, um, and that mission has not been accomplished. Uh, we are uh, no farther along that than GW was when he announced mission accomplished on the deck of the carrier, you know, who knows when. And uh, the discussion is underway, and thanks uh, in large part to the work that you're doing and a lot of uh, the participants at, at the summit this month are doing. The discussion has begun, let's put it that way. Yeah, I hope so. From the half-baked stuff section of the newsletter, another Tesla video, two vehicles racing, one inside a tunnel built by Musk's boring company under Los Angeles and the other above ground. Cute, I guess is the word about it. Yeah, it's cute. I mean, if you're going from just between those two points, yeah, the tunnel's great, okay? And if you're the only car there that wants to go between those two points, yeah, it's great. Um, if as many cars wanted to go between those two points as one to go on the surface streets and they had to get down into that tunnel and da 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 da, da I, I don't know, but... Um, I guess he's trying to make a point with the tunnel. <laughs> it makes it a point with the tunnel. If, if there's nobody else going between those two places, boom, you can do, I don't know what they say, 114 miles an hour they hit her in, in that tunnel with the Model 3 or something like that. Phew. Um, yes, uh, for cuteness, it gets 100. Uh, for uh, for substance, um, I don't know, uh, a 40. <laughs> Try the Lincoln Tunnel, 7.30 a.m. on a weekday. That's what I mean. Right, so whatever. I, I, anyway, it was cute, though, so I put it in there. And then there's a, a contest being run by Waymo to win an all-expenses-paid trip to Phoenix to meet Waymo. Uh, this comes from a report in 9 to 5 Google. I don't know, really. I, I want to enter. We we have to do a podcast with them. We want to uh, meet them. <laughs> I mean, geez, do, is that what we do? We <laughs> enter a contest? To be, come on, why don't you just put this stuff out there for people to use? I mean, you don't know why people want to use it? You haven't heard from enough people yet? You have to do it. What's the purpose of the contest? It sounds so gimmicky. I mean, I thought I was reading The Onion. Uh, I always get onioned by people, and I thought somebody onioned me. It's interesting because we've talked about uh, the need for Waymo in Phoenix, especially, I suppose, and and elsewhere, and all of these other companies to win public support, grassroots support, and, and explain things to people. I'm not sure contest is the way to go <laughs> to meet them. I, I, yeah, I don't think it is. I think, geez, it... it it might if they would have accepted our invitation to come to the summit, they would have gotten more out of it. They would have, uh, oh, gee, I, I don't know. Uh, what do I know, Fred? A lot. And that is it for this edition. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can ask your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening. And have a great holiday. <laughs>